welcome to Life Uninhibited. I'm your host, Kristen Messagy, Enneagram 6, Life Coach for Sixes. Today is all about thinking and the fixation of type six. Did you know that you could actually talk to yourself more than you listen to yourself? Let's get into it. Hello, sixes. Thank you for being here. Let's get into one of my favorite, favorite, favorite topics. It is the topic of thinking. Today, we're going to talk about taking on the fixation of six directly. First, I'm going to cover a couple logistics, and then we're going to get into it. Things are evolving and changing in Zero to Sixty, my group program for sixes, and it's really cool and exciting. Changing the model, opening it up to a monthly membership has just opened up a ton of creativity and released what felt like an internal stopper, like an emergency break. Do you know that feeling when you're going forward, the gas is pressed down, but you also feel like there's something that is just kind of holding you back. I actually think a lot of 60 experience feels this way, which is another topic. Um, But... That is what I was experiencing in my group program. It just, there felt, something felt like a stopper. And when I made this switch, it was as if I released the emergency break and that feeling went away and it's just been really wonderful. So we had our first somatic call today. I'm doing those once a month now separate from the weekly coaching calls that we do. And it was good. It was a slower than normal coaching call, slower in energy. We did some exercises that focused on the separate centers, mind, heart, and body. And we worked with the two pillars that I think are really important in somatic work, which is, I mean, there's so many, but in terms of how to think about it. One, non-judgmental noticing of our experience, like just slowing down enough to notice what is happening. And then the other pillar, which is how to actually have an impact on those experiential pieces. We can slow down and notice what's going on in our mind. We can also impact the experience that we're having in our mind. Same with our heart center and our body. So that was cool. Also now, the big change is I went from... Okay, so here's what I learned in running the program the way I was running it for a while. It was, you would pay once and you would come in and there was a big online course component and then we had weekly coaching. That was basically the gist of it. And what I noticed over time is that the course content, which was... The idea was that that would be a self-study course and then the coaching would, you know, really flesh out the topics and it just wasn't quite gelling. And what I think was happening is that the course is a ton of material and information and, you know, I think people would get excited and go in or, or get excited to do it and then 
you go in, it's a lot of information and there's worksheets and all this stuff. It's just a lot. And I, what I found is people just weren't going through the course. And I totally get it. I have courses that I have not gone through. I have courses that I've purchased and I've done a little bit of and then not gone back to. It can just be a lot to go in and do something by ourselves. And then I thought, when are the times in my life when I have had the most sort of um, intentional, transformative growth? And it's when I really was focused on a particular topic or idea, and I was working on that particular topic or idea every day for an amount of time. Those were the times when things really were able to integrate themselves into my life and become more of just the way I operate, which is really what I'm after as a coach. I'm not so interested. I'm somewhat interested in teaching concepts. Somewhat. I'm extremely interested in helping people actually apply what they learn to their lives so the things they apply can actually become part of the way that they live their lives. So just looking at what was happening, I realized that the way I had it set up was not the best way, which is totally fine. So I changed it. So now what I'm doing is I'm really going into the course, pulling out topics and crafting them in a month-to-month format. So as a group, we can collectively go through these ideas. I can teach them and then we can do work on them as well as really the coaching has more of a framework then. So that's what's happening. And this month, oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> this, I'm going to tell you what the topic for February is. I'm going to talk through some of my philosophies around it, why I think it's super important. I'm going to tell you what the structure is actually going to look like in the program. So if you want to hop on and join for February, please do. You can join until the 4th the month until February 4th. We're going to have a new members call on the 5th. One of the things that I want to do is really help new members come in and feel like, oh, okay, not alone. I can join this group because I know that part can be really intimidating. Um, So I want, you know, I'm trying to solve for all these pieces so people can come in and get acclimated as soon as possible. So the nervous system starts to feel just a little more relaxed and we're really able to get to work. I mean, I, I want this work to be, uh, you know, somewhat fun. <laughs> I want it to be accessible to our nervous systems. And yeah, I would just want it really to work for sixes. You know, there's so much we can do to impact our experience of our lives. And okay, so let's get into the specifics. This month is all about going in specifically into the fixation of six. So in the Enneagram world, the fixation, every number has a fixation. 
Okay, there's the fixation, the passion, there's all these Enneagram words. The fixation is the expression of a limited mental perspective on reality. It's repetitive, it's automatic, it's not chosen, automatic stories that run over and over and over. And it's limited, it's a fraction a a mere segment of what's available in terms of things to think about. And every number does this. This is not just a 16 thing. This is every single number has these, this limited mental perspective on reality. And it's not that hard for us to see in other people when they are kind of stuck in their own stuff. We can see that and we're like, oh yeah, look, look at that. Uh, it's, it's harder for us to see in ourselves because that's just how life is. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. The fixation is a well-worn mental pattern. It's familiar. It's what the unconscious does over and over and over. Now, for us, the intensity of it, sort of how fused we are with the pattern, it's, it's, it's really like a, this is a loop, okay? So the intensity of it feeds or is fed by internal angst. This internal angsty, churny thing contributes to the fixation and the fixation also feeds it. It's, it's a loop. It's a fixed circuit. And I think we all kind of know when we are sort of stuck in that loop. I have a particular way I teach about the loop in the program, but I think you all know how it kind of feels and probably aren't sure how to get out of it, which is really what this month is all about. How do we actually notice when we're caught in the loop, how to get out of it, and then what to do after that? So let's talk about specifically what the six fixation is. What it is in sort of older school Enneagram language is cowardice, which is this idea that I don't have what it takes. Another way it shows up is it shouldn't be this way, right? Whatever's probably coming, uh, I don't have what it takes to meet that moment, it should not be this way. I need to resist the way that things are. So there's a, it's a, it's a fixed idea that life isn't safe. People are not to be trusted. Another way this shows up is a false belief that everything that can go wrong needs to be predicted. The only way to have a positive outcome is to question everything and plan for the worst. If these are familiar to you, you might be in the right place. Thoughts of doubt and worry and cynicism creep into pretty much everything, leading to anticipating all of the bad things that could happen, deciding that bad things are going to happen, et cetera, et cetera. And there is impact in our lives for getting stuck in this loop. This is not benign in our lives. There, there is impact. And one of the things I am going to help 
people pull out this month is, you know, what is the particular impact in your life while, and this is very important, holding what we see lightly because that's important too. I mean, one of the things our, this fixation is brilliant at, it's, and again, it's automatic, is you'll have like an insight or a revelation. And then, well, then the fixation just takes the insight or the revelation and spins it up in the same way. Like, oh, I see this thing about me. And then the fixation grabs it and says, and that means bad things are going to happen. Now that you see this thing about you, that means you're going to lose support. That means you are bad, wrong, in danger, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think that to really get a get a view of the fixation separate from it, I mean, this is what we're going to do. It's really interesting to see it in action over and over and over and watch it take any content, be it external or internal, and just spin spin out with it, right? Make it mean something bad. And so what I want to do is help see the fixation in action and then halt or slow down that process that then just whips it back up into the fixation that, oh, something's bad. It's like, no, 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 no. We can see this about ourselves and then actually hold that seeing in a particular way. Okay. So going to work directly with thinking is a specialty of mine. When I was originally trained, it was in a coaching model that very much focused on thinking, exposing subconscious thoughts, working with thoughts, seeing the impact of thoughts on our experience of our lives and honing in on that piece of my life absolutely changed my life. I'm not exaggerating when I say it changed my life in every area. It gave me access to myself in a way that I had never had. I I never knew that my thinking was something that was separate from me that I could actually have an impact on. And it it was so incredibly empowering. This was how I got into ownership over my own reactivity. I absolutely turned my marriage around by breaking patterns that we had gotten locked into that I could not see. But before really learning to look at my own thinking, I could not see how I was contributing to the patterns that we had gotten locked into. And if I had been able to see it, I I don't know how I would have gotten out. Anyway, all of that. So when I tell you that (laughs) thought work, working with thinking changed my life, I am not blowing smoke. It is it is the real truth. It is how there is a business of coaching sixes that exists today. Like I learned how to manage my mind is the language that we used to use all the time. So some of the things that I learned how to do was to how to reveal unconscious thinking? How can we actually get access to what we are thinking? Because most of it is happening not in the conscious mind. Something like 
95% of our experience is in our unconscious, subconscious. I use those interchangeably. 95%. I've heard higher numbers even. Most of what we are thinking is not consciously available to us. How do we get access to that thinking? This is one of the brilliant things about the Enneagram is it actually gives a clue to the unconscious stories that are running uh, you, the human. It's truly one of the most remarkable things about the Enneagram is it reveals unconscious thinking. So another piece is to learn how to actually detach and diffuse from that thinking. How do you get separate from it so that you can start to get a little distance and then you can start making different decisions. When we're when we are sort of fused or one with our unconscious thinking and stories, it's just, it's like our head is in a cloud. We can't see it. We don't know what's happening. We're just doing what we're doing, thinking what we're thinking, believing everything we're thinking, feeling really, you know, justified and whatever by thoughts that are truly hard on us. And we're just hanging out in that cloud. And what I'm talking about is actually like getting ourselves out of the and being able to see what is happening. And then how do we actually learn to choose what we want to think on purpose? I'm going to come back to that bit. So also what this is all about is learning how to talk to ourselves more than we just listen to ourselves. Just listening to ourselves is terrible. It is terrible. We cannot, if we're choosing personal development, let that happen. One of the core tenets of personal development. I'm like literally sitting here like slamming my fist onto my hand. I feel so strongly about this. One of the core developments of what am I saying? One of the core tenets of personal development is that we learn how to talk to ourselves on purpose. Okay, how to be in right relationship with our minds. Or like I said earlier, how to manage our minds. The consequences of having an unmanaged mind. It's just a mind run amok. Just a mind that gets to do whatever it does. Like, no, your mind does not just get to do whatever it does without your permission. You get to actually build internal permission to navigate your own mind. Also, this is about how to access discernment, which is the ability to judge well, which is like the proper, correct use of our mind. Oh my gosh, I get so excited talking about this. Okay, now... I do want to say there there are caveats here, okay? There is no actually doing thought work devoid of the other centers. Like true thought work, really getting thoughts that are aligned with ourself, our knowing, our emotions, all the things. That's what we're trying to do. What most of us try to do by ourselves is actually sort of, I would say, we try to do thought work without any connection to the other centers, right? We try to stop ourselves from thinking things. 
that doesn't work. We try to tell ourselves to think something else or to just reframe a situation, (laughs) which we all know might work occasionally if you're not really like fused with the thinking. But, you know, if someone else comes up, if you're having a situation and you're really in it and you're wanting to whatever, process it, complain about it. And someone is like, well, why don't you just think about it like this? Why don't you just? And this this big red flag, why don't you just? Okay, we don't do it to other people. We don't do it to ourselves. This is like a, there's a little mini life lesson right there. (laughs) Why don't you just? Why can't I just? So painful. Like feel that pain in my body. Okay, so we're not doing that. We are not doing that to ourselves. The truth here that I want you to hear, like like a big idea, there are thoughts that are, I'm going to say, better feeling thoughts, better feeling stories that are true, or at least almost true to your body. They align with your knowing, your felt sense of truth. Part of My goal is to help sixes find those stories, narratives. They're they're in there. But of course, as sixes, we're looking for external guidance. So we're like, what does that person think about this? What does that person think about this? And we use this external locator to try to find ourselves. And it just doesn't really seem to work long-term us to really have a better felt experience in our bodies. And of course it wouldn't because we don't really feel connected to ourselves. So there is no thought work without access to the other centers. This is what I'm saying is we're not just like, well, think about things this way or that thinking is not working for you. Try this thinking. That is a gross misuse of thought work. And it's also what we're all kind of doing to ourselves and each other already. While there is no thought work without access to the other centers, it's also true that separating the centers, teaching and practicing concepts in each center is incredibly useful work. And I love, love hanging out in the land of thinking and how that thinking is having an impact. Not to mention the actual impact. I'm not, okay. I am not saying this next thing to scare you. I am saying this because it's important to tell the truth about things. So one of the features of our fixation is that it leads us to pessimism or its distant cousin, cynicism. And those states are not good for our bodies. They're not good for our bodies. So I need to find this for you. Pessimism is a tendency to see the worst aspect of things or believe the worst will happen, the lack of hope or confidence in the future. And if we kind of rope ourselves here into this, it's a lack of confidence that we can handle whatever the future holds. It's a lack of internal confidence that we can meet the moments of our lives. That is not good for us. Adam Grant, one of my favorites, just period, 
and also when it comes to research. The man literally talks in research. It's the wildest thing. It doesn't matter what the topic is. He's like, well, the study on dot, dot, dot. Like he just knows everything in his head. It's wild. Okay. Anyway, he shared this back in 2022 that I thought, oh, I thought it was so important for sixes. So he shared these studies. Well, I'll just read what he says. So this is from Adam Grant. Optimism has little bearing on health. Avoiding pessimism matters more. Okay, so we do not have to be optimistic, cheerful, upbeat. That's not required. Okay, that's not what we're doing. Avoiding pessimism is what matters. 61 studies, 221,000 people. Health is predicted more by the absence of pessimism than the presence of optimism. Well-being isn't about expecting the best. It's about making sure you don't assume the worst. So this is what I am talking about. This is not all or nothing that we go from expecting the worst to expecting the best. That's not it. Our all or nothing brains often when we sort of see how we are actually being pretty negative, our brains think, well, then fine. I'm just supposed to be super positive. I'm just supposed to lie to myself. Like it goes this really weird way as brains do. Because brains don't want to give up their habits. And so they sort of throw up these red herring arguments that are not relevant. So this is not about becoming super positive. I mean, as six of the general rule are not a fan of toxic positivity and can smell it a mile away. So that's not what this is. It's not reframing. It's not toxic positivity. It's about accessing thinking that gets us out of our fixation and helps us orient to our own abilities to meet the moments of our lives. That's what this work is about. Okay, so let me tell you what I've got cooked up for the month and what that's going to look like. Week one, we're going to focus on really seeing our mind in action. We're going to start to gather the repetitive content that we just kind of churn Over and over, we're going to start to really get in touch with like, what are the main stories that my unconscious is telling over and over? We're going to start to see what our particular repetitive stories are. And I have some questions to draw those out. And again, the Enneagram gives us so many good clues. Plus, I've worked with sixes for many years. I have a good idea of what some of those stories might be. Okay. Week two, we're going to look at the impact of those stories. What's the outflow of these repetitive stories, this limited mental construct of life? We're going to look to see the impact of that. When I think this, what? how does that make me feel? What do I do? Then what happens? I'm going to teach you the concept of the reactive loop, which is what happens. Stimulus comes in and then here we go on our fixated loop. And I also go into how to hold what we notice, kind of a little bit what I talked about earlier. 
Okay, week three, which I'm most excited about. I'm very excited about week three. We're actually going to learn to talk to ourselves on purpose by developing the internal, I want to say, community. We're going to consciously develop the internal community. We're going to have some boundaries and some rules for engagement inside our own system. And I have a lot of ways we're going to do that. I'm really excited for that one. I'm so excited for that one because it's really the how. It's one thing to notice what we're doing and get really clear on that. And it is true. It, I will say it is true that noticing can be enough. And it's also super useful to go beyond noticing and really have some tools and techniques and things that we can really do with what we notice as well as build up our sense of ourselves consciously, on purpose. Decide what we want our internal environment to really look like and feel like. The culture of engagement is how I like to think of it. And then week four is going to be just really continuing to put this all into practice answering questions, keep doing the work, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what the month of February is going to look like inside zero to 60. So that's the high level of what's going to be happening inside zero to 60 in February. There will also be a somatic class where we just practice different skills that work with our different centers. And yeah, I'm pretty excited for all of it. So if you want to join, now is a good time. Again, I'm going to keep it open until February 4th. And I'm going to shut it down for a few weeks and open it up again in March. Okay, I will be back next week. Talk to you all. Probably a little bit more about thinking. This is one of my absolute favorite topics, if I haven't mentioned that. And really important for sixes. Okay. Talk to y'all soon. As always, thank you for being here. If you do want to join the membership this month, the link will be in the show notes, or of course, you can find it on my website or on Instagram. Send me a note. If you can't find it, I will hook you up. And that's it. I'm really looking forward to this next month and meeting some more of you 